Mud Stories, Episode 50. Your mercy floods my tired soul as you lift me out of my muddy hole. You wash me up with your sweet grace and you lead me to a safer place again. Look, this is all of us. We've all been adulteresses. All of us, men and women. Anytime we go away from God, we have fallen. And you know what? Thank God he picks us up. Thank you, Jesus, that you do this for us. See, sexual sin, in other words, sex and not a covenant in a relationship that's not covenant, where it's not agreed upon. I'm going to solely see you. I'm marrying you, right? I am with you. I'm with you. It, it really destroys because there's no commitment. And when you feel like you're going to possibly lose that person, your heart is so torn. It's always on fight or flight mode. And God's not saying sex is bad. That's why sexual sin hurts so deeply. Even though we numb it over with drugs, we numb it over with 10 relationships, you know? And I've done that. And it manifests into other things when we can't feel that comfort. And that's the truth. Hi, my name is Jackie Watkins, your host, and you're listening to Mud Stories, a podcast dedicated to bringing you inspiration in your muddiest moments, hope to make it through your mud, and encouragement for you to know that you are not alone. Hey friends, welcome back to the Mud Stories podcast. I am so happy you're here. This is episode 50, 5-0, halfway to 100, and I am approaching my one-year anniversary of podcasting with you, and I am so very thankful that you have joined me here. And if you have missed some of the Mud Stories podcast episodes, I would encourage you to go back. There are so many different topics of mud that we've covered over this past year, and you can find those episodes on iTunes if you search Mud Stories, or you can go to the free app that I have. You just go to any place where you get your apps, the App Store, and you can search Mud Stories, and that podcast app is free for you on any Apple or Android devices. And so I have talked to some amazing people this past year, and I'm just so in awe that they came and shared their mud with us. And it really is my hope that no matter what mud you're facing today, no matter what mud is ahead for you or what mud you've been through, that these stories would give you a sense of hope so that you would know how God met someone else in their pain and suffering and adversity and trials And for you to gain a confidence to know that he will meet you too, each and every time. So today for episode 50, I have been waiting and am so excited to share this episode with you. Today, Annie Lobert is here and she is one remarkable lady. She is someone who has faced more suffering than almost anyone I know and has come through as a survivor as someone who is redeemed, who God deeply loves, who champions his message of grace and mercy and love with such a passionate heart. And I just can't wait for you to hear this conversation. 
Now, for those of you who might not know who Annie is, let me just tell you, she is a survivor of more than a decade of sex trafficking. Annie has worked as an exotic dancer and high-class escort. She was in the sex industry for over 15 years. And she has authored her first book entitled Fallen, Out of the Sex Industry and Into the Arms of the Savior. Now, Annie has survived almost any mud we can face. And you guys, I am not kidding. She has survived post-traumatic stress disorder, domestic violence, sexual abuse, childhood abuse, drug addiction, abortions, miscarriages, pornography, anorexia, bulimia, cancer, and drug overdose. And in 2003, she left the sex industry and just really felt as she healed and recovered, she was on a mission to go back and reach those ladies that she had left behind who were still working in Las Vegas as prostitutes and or sex trafficking victims. And so in 2005, Annie founded a nonprofit organization called Hookers for Jesus, whose focus continues to this day to be to hook, which is an outreach organization mission. She gives hope, which is Jesus. She gives help, which includes housing. And she offers healing through Christ and the restoration that he brings for those people who have been in the sex industry or victims of sex trafficking. So Annie founded this house called the Destiny House, which is a safe place for women to live while they're healing from serious trauma and all that they've been through as a result of being sex trafficked. And it is her endless effort to rescue these women and give them hope for their futures. I listened to Annie's book on audiobook, and you guys, you have to hear her book. And I... I keep telling you, this is not a podcast about book reviews, but her story is such a muddy story that I think you're going to want to hear it for yourself. But today I am very excited to share my conversation with you because Annie is the real deal. She is gut level honest. She is raw. She's engaging and connecting. And, you know, we had never met before this conversation, but I feel like after an hour of talking to her, we've become lifelong friends, and I'm so very thankful. So um, before we get into our conversation with Annie, I just want to remind you I've created podcast notes for this episode. So if you would like to receive that directly to your email for free, all you have to do is text the words episode five zero with no spaces to the number three three four 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 and just enter your email and a PDF of the podcast notes will be sent directly to you. So I know you guys are going to love Annie. She's passionate, persistent. She has a heart for God that is deep and wide and a love for others, especially those of us who have been entrenched in the mud. And I just know you're going to find this conversation so encouraging and remarkable, and I can't wait for you to hear it. So I will catch you on the other side. And without further delay, here is my conversation with Annie Lobear from Hookers for Jesus. Enjoy. Hey, Annie, welcome to the Mud Stories podcast. I've so been looking forward to talking with you. Yay, I'm so happy to be here. I feel like I've known you for 10 years already. Hello. <laughs> so fun. I know we had a nice pre-interview <laughs> chat. It was great. Yeah. Well, I first became aware of you and your ministry. For all those who are out there, I want to tell them about it. Over a year ago, um, when I went to the very first IF gathering in Austin, Texas, and yeah. I, yay, I know, we love what those girls are doing there. And I heard you share some of your story and was introduced to your ministry, Hookers for Jesus, and I can't wait to talk about all that. But first, 
I want to talk about Striper. Um, I know because it wasn't until your book was released that I actually realized that you were married to the Sir Oz Fox. And you just have to know when I told my husband that I was going to be talking to you, um, he's been a fan since the eighties. I mean, he was born the same year as you. He grew up in the church and you know, church music back in the 70s and 80s, it was kind of drab. I mean, there was pretty much hymns. They had some choruses, but, yeah. you know, they had Larry Norman, Andre Crouch, but then Amy Grant hit the scene with Keith Michael. Green. Yeah, Keith Green, DeGarmo and Key. And then there was Petra, but Striper, I think really was the trailblazer. You know, my husband and I, we had this evening reminiscing about Striper and just soldiers um, under command in 1985. He remembers going to that concert his senior year of high school. And just, I just want you to give our love to your husband, because I just think everything that they've done, how they've trailblazed. And I think my husband Thad really remembers Oz and his amazing guitar ability, his awesome mane of hair. And then of course, the vocals of Michael Sweet, who can forget that. And I know. So stellar voice just amazing and then you know the the album what was their next album the oh oh, to hell with the devil in 86 anyways we don't have to be stay stuck on that I just wanted you to know um just totally appreciate him and we're raving fans yeah let him know can I I tell you the humility of my husband he doesn't even receive when I say babe you're an awesome guitar player you shred and he's like oh honey he goes not really. Like, I'm, that's seriously how he thinks about himself. No way. Like, it's so crazy. And then his voice. His voice is, uh, it, it, it makes Striper, you know, because if you can hear his voice in all the, the backgrounds, and then sometimes he does some leads with Michael. But mm-hmm. the thing is, is that if it wasn't for Oz's voice, you know, and of course the iconic Michael. And, and then there's Robert. Robert Sweet doesn't really sing, but... Well, the drum set, how he put it in that cage and it rotates and you saw him sideways and and the lead electric guitar duets were so cutting edge at the time. Oh, yeah. It it was just amazing. Timmy, the bass player, I mean, he's phenomenal and his voice is in there too. So Striper really can't do Striper without all of each other. And it's so amazing because they are the founding members of the band. They're all still together, That's which is awesome. pretty incredible. 30 years, pretty incredible because most bands, they break up and then you've got like the main guy that sings and then so the guys are all replacements or you got yeah. the guitar player and then you have the, the drummer and then the lead singer's gone. His voice has gone to pot. And then now there's two people like, it's like, okay, what happened? Right. <laughs> you know, and, and obviously people move on in their lives and sometimes things happen and sometimes lead singer voices go out. I mean, years after touring and touring every single night back to back can wreak havoc on your vocal cords. Totally. You know, so anyway, I really admire so far where they've come from and then just being on the road with them many times that I have watching them on the tour bus. It's a, it's a trip having all of us on the tour bus. (laughs) I'm sure hysterical. Especially when we were in Europe, that was even funnier. Okay. Um, it was so neat and bonding. And I really got to see a side of my husband, I guess the rock star side. Mm-hmm. Cause I didn't meet him as a rock star. I didn't really know about Striper as much as I do now. Mm-hmm. And I first learned of their music when I was a teenager, but I didn't know it was Christian and I just kind of ignored it. Yeah. And, um, cause I was into different types of music back then. Mm-hmm. But when I started listening to their lyrics and, listening to the music when I first met my husband, I started crying like a little baby. And Mm. probably because 
the words really touched the me. The words, yeah. And they, their harmonies they, were so melodic. You know, oh, their their yeah. lyrics and with the harmony and melodies, it was just, yeah. just give him our love. We we um, have not forgotten Striper and my husband just in particular as a musician himself. I mean, he has a music theory degree and we've served in and out of churches, you know, throughout life and um, just such a high respect for him as a musician and a person. So. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Well, you have recently released your first book entitled Fallen, or shall I say Fallon? I don't know which way you like to say it, right? Oh, girl, I'm Um, Fallon. York. <laughs> um, and hearing your voice, I was telling you earlier, it feels so familiar because I chose to consume your book by audiobook. I just love audiobooks. I love that. I and love I love that. that you read it to me because I feel like I already know you, even though you hadn't met me till this morning. And so it's just, it's just incredible that you as authors read your books to us. I just love that. I love that you chose to read it, you know, it yourself. Was, it, oh my gosh. Can I tell you, it took four days to do that, by the I way. Bet. My husband directed it. So I was kind of mad at him <laughs> <laughs> because it was like, um, go back to paragraph two, uh, section 85. And I'm like, look, I said <laughs> the word, right. Don't, you know, and it's so funny because you know, the, God really tested me to humble myself to my husband in a newer level. Amazing. respect his talent of recording. Cause he can record. He has a, his own recording studio at home and that's where we did it. We did it at home. And it's like, okay, who's the boss here? It wasn't me that day. It wasn't you that day. Memo <laughs> to was, Annie. I was the talent. <laughs> he was the director. <laughs> nice. So it was quite challenging, but you know, also th- reading something out loud, when you read your mm-hmm. story out loud, it does a deeper sense of healing, I think yes. to your soul. Yes. And it also makes it more real. And um, what I did notice about reading that is that I didn't want it to sound like it was read. I wanted it to sound like I was sitting with you and that we were having coffee. And it did. And I, hope, I hope it felt like it that. It did. It absolutely oh, did. Good. Because I know it's, uh, you know, it's hard to read everything. And this is the thing about the book producers is they're very meticulous. If you mess up anything, you have to redo it. That well, the excellent showed, I will say, it really okay. did. And I found myself so moved by all you were sharing. In fact, for a couple of days, my husband was like, what are you listening to? Like, I took it in the car. I took it to the baseball game. I took it everywhere I went. I just couldn't put it down. It was just, just wow. so raw yeah. and vulnerable and just glorifying to God in the end. I just, you know, I just found myself praising God because of it, because of all he's done for you and all he's done for really all of us. Yeah. I hope that you were thinking about all of us. Absolutely. Absolutely. I wanted to draw that out in everyone. Like, look, yes, this is all of us. We're all, we've all been adulteresses. All of us, all of us, men and women. Absolutely. Anytime we go away from God, we have fallen. And you know what? Thank God he picks us up. Thank you, Jesus, that you do this for us. And I was going to ask you, what was your favorite part? Like, what was your absolute favorite part? I'm sure you're going to say, well, there's a lot. But what was like the most gut-wrenching thing that you liked the best out of it? Like, I don't know. Like, I think the part that moved me so deeply, just off the top of my head right now, I mean, there's so many parts of it. I mean, 
it was just you wrote it so candidly and beautifully and raw and vulnerable. And I think that is what magnetizes people to your message, to any of our messages. When we're willing to be really transparent and raw, it really helps people get real with their own hearts and it moves them and ministers to them. And it it opens a door that God can be found, you know, his light can shine in those dark places that they have let cobwebs grow and haven't really dealt with the pain of their own hearts way in there. But I think for me, part of what moved me so much were the sections you wrote about the physical abuse by your pimp. I mean, that the, the culmination of which was, you know, that scene where you were surrounded with all those people viewing and watching. You yeah, really made it. The girls. Yep. Yeah. Yep. You, you were made a, a, what do you call it? An example. example. Yeah. yeah. And um, I could cry right now just remembering it. I that just, was hard. I, I, I mean, that, just I, the way he broke you. I mean, just broke your bones literally and how you had to I think I think the weeping for me came when you were healing all by yourself and he just took off and left you to heal and you couldn't go to a hospital or get any medical care I mean over and over again just just so wounded beyond repair and and um you know, I was a mixture of worried for you and hurt for you. I just wanted to come scoop you up and I hug you, Girl, you know, I and, <laughs> and yet how you drew in the end, how those that brokenness is not beyond the understanding of our Savior, Jesus Christ, how he was beaten and bruised and how he's he had been where you are and that gave him as our savior such credibility oh, for you to trust in him and I think for me that really uh is what comes to the top of my head that one of the most moving you know well, messages you know I just and I go back to that because that that Isaiah 53 he was wounded for our transgression he was beaten I mean it's just like when I saw Passion, I, I didn't want to see Passion when it first came out because I heard stories about, well, it's so real. It, the Passion of the Christ. You're talking yes. about the movie by Mel Gibson. And, yeah. Yeah. I just, but when I saw it, it, that took me to a whole new level of appreciating that I have a savior that understood me and understands me. That's right. And that gets every single ounce of my pain, gets it. He gets it. Every single of, one. Yeah. Like he was beaten way worse than I ever was. So how could I even compare? I mean, he was beaten to death. Okay. Let's so just powerful. Say, beaten to death. Nobody can claim that. Nobody right. can. Right. That God isn't from the dead. Nobody can. Mm-hmm. No one's ever been able to, but him, but him, his blood. Like it's incredible that no one can say, well, I got more beat than Jesus. Right. No, he didn't because you didn't die, dummy. Okay. Let's just keep it real. I don't mean to say dummy. But you know what I mean? Because to me, don't be ignorant, dude. Don't be ignorant. We have a God that was raised from the dead, being beaten to the pulp. Okay. Right. So guess what? If that can happen to him, we can be raised from the dead. Because of him. So yeah. Yes. And yeah. and so to me, that just his his beating gave me hope. I think that's what it really did mm-hmm. for me. It gave me hope that I could rise up from the ashes. And that shone through in the writing. It really did. And it was just so moving, so moving. And I think brings so much hope to so many, you know, which is really the purpose of why we, we tell our stories, you know, for God to be glorified and for people to meet Christ too, you know, in their deep places. So I, I want for anyone not familiar with your story, 
Would you just give them a short picture of the deep mud you've walked through? Yeah, just, I mean, I don't think there's anything that you, uh, uh, in the mud categories that you haven't faced. I I, I don't really think there is. You, you tell me if I'm wrong, but maybe just, can you just in a quick synopsis catch people up and so then we can talk about some of these sure. issues that are going to help others who are listening? I can do it pretty quick, actually. I can okay. probably do it in a couple minutes, but... Basically, I was a girl that didn't feel loved by her father. I was abused as a child, abused sexually by close friends, and went into teenhood very rebellious, mad at my father. My father was abused as well, but I did not know this until later in my life. Mm. And my father was an angry, dry drunk, basically. And he was abusing my mother. He was abusing my brothers and my sister and I, and just not not just um, yelling and emotional abuse, but mental abuse as well as physical and uh, just very harsh discipline, which equates to abuse. And, um, and anyway, so I came into my adulthood, very rebellious, uh, very angry. And I searched out love from different boys in high school, different men. And my high school sweetheart basically broke my heart in half. And this is a very famous story for everyone. Probably. I'm just probably reading your mail right now. (laughs) And, you know, I found out he was cheating on me and I, I was devastated. Like my whole heart was into him. Like it was, mm-hmm. it was done. It was a done deal. It was a slam dunk deal with that. I thought I was getting married, have kids, white picket fence, go to college. Boom. Well, and you had given but yourself fully to him. I did yeah. fully. Yeah. I gave him my virginity as a gift Yeah. wrapped up in a little bow. We had, we had the whole thing planned out. Okay. So yeah. Mm. And uh, it was a very special moment for me. And, um, but apparently for him it wasn't. And so that kind of like ripped my heart in two. Mm-hmm. I was like, wait a second. I gave this as a gift knowing it's not right. But I still did it anyway. I sacrificed my virginity for you. That really hurt me. And so I went into the job world after high school ready to try to go to college, but I didn't have the money. My parents didn't have money like that. And so uh, I had three jobs. And one night I was out at a club with my girlfriend because we were working way too hard, both of us. And I needed to go out and have ladies night. So, of course, I was underage drinking and I was still a teenager, got into the club. And we met these two guys that were looking for vulnerable women like us. And they were pimps. We didn't know it. They were sex traffickers. They had been doing this for years. They were experts at it. And Mm, they they are, huh? Oh yeah. They talked my girlfriend into going to Hawaii and she learned how to be a sex trafficking victim, or I would say a prostitute. And she called me up and taught me how to do it as well. And I asked her, is is your boyfriend a pimp? And she was like, no. And it wasn't revealed to her till later, just like it wasn't revealed to me till later. And I went back to Minnesota quit all my jobs. I did moonlight for a while. I moonlighted and worked my escort job and worked as a regular, you know, employee. But then I decided the money was just not good enough. And then I had some bad instances happen. And a couple months into working as a call girl in Minnesota, I almost got hurt pretty badly. So I decided to become an exotic strip dancer. And I decided that I wasn't going to sell myself anymore, which eventually led to selling myself again because that world is so open mm-hmm. and it's too tempting to try to make extra money. And stripping doesn't really do it all the way for me. So back then I was thinking I needed to make extra money and I started turning tricks on the side and picking my clients. And one day this man walked in and he was absolutely handsome, dropped dead gorgeous. And it was kind of like the repeat of my high school sweetheart. It was my heart got stolen again. And and gave my heart to him and had the big bright idea to bring him to Las Vegas where my girlfriend that was in Hawaii was now residing with her pimp. And the first night that I worked the escort services, I came home and he beat the living daylights out of me, told me he was my pimp, that I was his slave now. And that, you know, Mm. 
that he loved me and he was doing this for my good. <laughs> How ironic is that? Like, okay, dude. So if I, ironic. If I could just take who I am now and if he would have ever hit me again, I mean, obviously this situation would be totally different. He would have been in jail. But me being the naive little girl and just young in my mind and mm-hmm. in love, I couldn't understand what was going on. And then I had flashbacks of my dad hitting my mom. And, and so it was like a completion of those flashbacks. Yeah. And I was traumatized. Couldn't yeah. believe what's happening. And that led into, you know, 16 years off and on in the sex industry, being 10 years a victim of sex trafficking. Crazy, yeah. crazy. Like, did you talk to your parents during that time, during those years? Off and on, I visited them once every couple of years. Uh, There's one point I hadn't seen him for four years. It's terrible, right? Like uh, my whole family, I I forsook my family. Like who does that? Like I was embarrassed. I was embarrassed. I didn't want anyone to know what I was doing. Um, My sister, and then she died in 95. And um, one thing that Mm. I, you know, I regretted it for so long, Jackie, for so long is my lost time with my family. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I understand. It still brings me. Yeah. And my sister not being able to be around her. You know, I think I connected with you about the day your sister died because that was the day my first son was born, December 22nd, 1995. Yeah. And, um, you know, those kind of tragedies change us. Yeah. And um, help us see what really matters, you know, whether you're, you know, a sex trafficked victim or not, you're still a real person with a real heart, you know, and when your sister dies, your perspective is shifted. Don't you think? It was. It It, it made me scared. And then I'd also, it made my faith deeper, I think, and Mm -hmm. trusting that God was going to get me out of the industry. I think that really, in all reality, like I was searching out spirituality. I didn't really mm-hmm. understand if Jesus really was who he said he was. And I got this book called The Bible Code, and it's written by some Jewish scholars and the Torah. And it's, it flipped me out because they said that when they put a word in there and the computer changed it to whatever circumstance was happening in their life, it was just blew my mind because I thought that means God's real. Like the Torah really was written by God. Like it freaked me out. And I got so scared, Jackie. I was like, okay, then the next book I got was, um, angels, uh, something about angels. It, I can't remember the author's name, but I even got a book on a psychic that wrote about angels. (laughs) Sylvia Brown, she wrote a book on that too. And Uh actually her book brought me closer to God. And some people would say, well, she's a psychic. Well, I don't care what you say. God can use anything. God can use anything. That's right. you know, whatever the way people would say, the Christians would say, which some of the things I don't always agree with the way Christians view things. Um, mm-hmm. I would say fundamentalists, not, not so much. Yeah. The, I understand what you're saying. The more freer thinker. I'm kind of, I think I'm a kind of a liberal Christian in a way. I think I, I've just really open. I'm really open. I mean, Jesus, he was the most liberal. Come on. Well, the thing is, you know, even the terms liberal and conservative aside, you know, I think I think it's important to just love people. I mean, I think when we've gone through things that have broken us, that have um, ripped us apart and we've dealt with guilt and shame and the profound gratitude of what Christ has done for us. It puts all of those little legalistic rules and all the things people get caught up in when they've got no other pain that they're facing or dealing with or in denial about. You know, we're in the core of it's all about the love. We need to love people. That's what Jesus did. You know, he loved 
and we're to love. And, and I'm telling and, you, that's the truth. And we're, you know, we are too, a lot of people are in this funnel vision to cut up in their little details of, can you do this or can you do that? And you know what? But he came to abolish, okay, the legalism part. Yeah. He never came to get rid of the law. He came to fulfill, fulfill it. Fulfill the so, law. That's absolutely so, right. So to me, how do you fulfill that law? He said so himself, love God with all your heart and all your soul. That's right. And loving each other. So guess what? Loving each other is not criticizing. It's not putting people down. It's giving people truth with love. And it sometimes right, hurts. Right. And finding but, our common ground with them where we can, right? right? But one of the things that really spoke to me in those books that some would consider blasphemous um, is that I found loving them. I found hope and it made me realize that there's life after death yes. completely. And you know, I just, it brought me back to the Bible. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because of that cold Bible book, the Bible code, I got my Bible out, my Gideon Bible. I got it out. And when I went <laughs> to Italy, I mean, I'm telling you. Yeah. I loved how you wrote about that. I'm it's, That changed me like reading the New Testament and isn't that just, amazing what can happen when we just open our Bible and read it? I mean, some people will say, well, I don't know what it means or how to understand it. Well, just open it and try. And I think the right. Holy Spirit will meet you there, don't you think? Right, right. Yeah. I, just, I just really felt Jesus's love go through those pages. I felt his love like mm-hmm. the lineage, Rahab's in his lineage. Come on, somebody. I know. Amen. <laughs> I mean, who does that? Like Bathsheba? lineage, right? Yep. Who talks about adulteresses in, in their mm-hmm. teachings? I mean, look, look at the, like the woman at the well, I yep. mean, the woman in adultery, like that's who he is. And sin is sin to God. Sin grieves God's heart no matter what. And that's what Christ is for. And he you know? never hated these people. He never said, he never looked at them and said, yo, you're evil. Right. Yo, right. it was like, Hey, I, I come to tell you the truth that I am the living water. Like, it's me to get to the father. You must come through me. You know, in other words, you can come. I'm giving you permission to come. You have free choice to come with me. Yes. I see what you're doing and what, so what go sin no more. Come with me. It was like, and he heals us. Right. It's just like, that is so beautiful to me to have a savior that understands exactly where we are and how broken we really are and how much we really need him. And that he sees, he sees all of us women, how hungry we are for romance, how hungry we are to be, just be honored by men and loved, respected and, and how we hunger and thirst for relationship and Mm -hmm. how we hunger and thirst for being a mother, for taking care of children, uh, being a mentor. Like this is we're so emotional. Yeah. He knows that. And I love that about God because he just doesn't care. He never puts us down for it. Like he embraces every single orifice that we are, the beauty he created in us. We are the shining crown of beauty for Adam. We are the icing on the cake, man. I, I received that. You received that. Absolutely. We are, Absolutely. We are, we are the of God. We are the queens. We are royalty. And, and we can have as much Jesus as we want, no matter where we are, no matter right. what we're facing. And he's right. with us always. And I'm just so comforted by that. Amen. Well, well, let's talk about the sex trafficking industry for people who 
aren't aware of it, I'm sure there's not very many people who are unaware of it. I'm hoping. Well, but, you, know, um, you never know. There's probably some new ears right now. Okay. Well, I'd love to uh, enlighten their ears because we have to do something. And um, I think beyond, you know, I mean, there's so much to talk about. The porn, the, the strip clubs, the, right. the call girls, just everything. I mean, you're... When you were in the industry, you described that you were called a high-class escort. I sure um, was. With a pimp. Um, could you talk a little bit about what that meant, what that looked like, what the pimp culture's like, and just how that all happens? I think it happens a lot easier than people are led to believe, you know, because I think people who haven't faced some of these really dark things think to themselves, oh, well, that's not going to touch my life, or that's not going to be a part of my world, or that could never happen to me. Hello, if there's social right? media, it can happen to you. Totally. Media, it's as close as the click of a phone. That's right. That's yeah. right. I don't care if you're a tiny little town of 10 people. You right? get someone on the internet, they can lure you from the internet. Totally. So talk okay. to me about the definition of a sex trafficker, and then a little bit about the pimp culture. And um, then I want to then I want to ask you a few questions about the years you were an, an escort. Sure. So, you know, honestly, I didn't know I was a sex trafficking victim. I, I actually did this ministry not realizing. And when I used to tell my story way back in 2005, 2006, the, the phrase wasn't really out there like it is now mm -hmm. accepted. And people always said that the sex trafficker, sex trafficking victims were actually underage girls. And I'm thinking to myself, well, wow, I was not underage. Um, I was a teenager, but I wasn't, you know what I mean? So yeah. it's like, I thought I wasn't a victim, but when I looked at the power and control wheel that actually was taken from the Duluth model of domestic violence, that I believe Polaris Project and Shared Hope teamed up and they made this wheel called the sex trafficking power control wheel. And if you don't know what that is, please Google it, everyone. And I read the symptoms. I read the basically everything that had happened on that wheel, I pretty much verbatim checked off almost every single one of the lists. And I thought to myself, well, this isn't fair. I was sex trafficked. So I'd like to say that uh, being a high-class call girl doesn't mean you cannot be sex trafficked. Being an escort does not mean you can be sex trafficked. Uh, being a massage masseuse parlor girl doesn't mean you can't be sex trafficked. And being a stripper doesn't mean you can't be sex trafficked. There's always a pimp. And I would say out of my friends that I had, I had about 20% rebels that didn't have a pimp. But then I had an 80 percentile range of friends that were paying a pimp, that had a pimp, that had a sex trafficker in their life that was mm -hmm. abusing them and controlling their life. And so the, the official definition, uh, the U.S. Department of State says, this is in my book, by the way, page 209, U.S. Department of State says about sex trafficking, there's an article titled, What is Trafficking in Persons? It says, when an adult is coerced, forced, or deceived into prostitution, or maintained in prostitution through coercion, that person is a victim of trafficking. All of those involved in recruiting, transporting, harboring, receiving, or obtaining the person for that purpose have committed a trafficking crime. Sex trafficking can also occur within debt bondage as women and girls are forced to continue in prostitution through the use of unlawful debt purportedly incurred through their transportation, recruitment, or even their crude sale, which exploiters insist they must pay off before they can be free. Mm. It is critical to understand that a person's initial consent to participate in prostitution, which is mine, Jackie, okay, right. is not legally determinative. If an individual is therefore held 
in service through psychological manipulation or physical force, that person is a trafficking victim and should receive the benefits outlined in the United Nations Palmero Protocol and Applicable Laws. Yes. So ladies out there, wow. men out there, kids out there, if you're listening, yeah, you can listen 12 and up, okay? Sex trafficking is absolutely real and it can happen to anyone. And it just because someone doesn't have to hold a gun to your head mm-hmm. doesn't mean you're not being sex trafficked. If someone's withholding love, if someone's saying to you, well, I won't have a relationship with you unless you sell yourself and give me all the money. You're being mm-hmm. sex trafficked. That's right. That's, that's coercion. That's called and, coercion. And that's thousands, thousands of women in the United States. Ladies will sell their hearts to be loved. We will do that. That's what I did. I sold my heart. Mm-hmm. So that is trafficking. And I hope I'm waking someone up today. I hope so too. Talk about the pimp culture. How, how, because like you had your ID taken away. You had your, your every, like you earned thousands. Talk about the money, Annie. I mean, each, each customer would give you how much money. I mean, you would come back with a big wad of cash and you'd have to hand it all over. You had no freedom. Talk about how these women are controlled. Really? It's, it's really the majority of the control that I experience from my perspective is a control of the love relationship of mm. the, the loyalty, <clears throat> excuse me, to the pimp, loyalty to him, uh, subservience to him, submissiveness to him and doing exactly what he's asking us to do and doing it not only because we're afraid, because I was afraid, you know, in fear most of the time. In fact, when I was with him, I was very skinny. I probably weighed like 95, 100 pounds. I was mm-hmm. deathly, deathly skinny because I didn't eat because I was always on the edge. PTSD mm-hmm. constantly um, was this is how they control the girls. They control the girls with that relationship, with that, that loss of love, that loss of respect. And then, of course, they control them with threats and beatings. And it's just really crucial to remember that um, that when a girl gets trafficked, that she might not understand she's being trafficked. Mm. Okay. That's, that's what is really important is that when you meet a girl that is, you know, working in the industry, she might not even know that she's being pimped out. She might think that this person's my boyfriend, this person, I, you know, I'm just, he's loyal to me. He protects me. And so basically trafficking looks like this. It's coercion. Okay. It's manipulation manipulating the circumstance for the benefit of the trafficker, okay, mm-hmm. in whatever form that looks like, okay? He isolates the victim, makes sure that she doesn't have fa- friends or family around her to make uh, solid decisions or, you know, let me call my friend and see what she thinks about this decision. He, they will not let you do that. So isolation uh, is key. Yes. Economic abuse. He controls all her money, you know? Mm-hmm. Emotional abuse. That emotional, we are so easily persuaded by emotional ladies, aren't we? Mm-hmm. They use emotion. They use that emotional you know, abuse and of course the manipulation and the mental abuse. And they use, of course, physical abuse. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then they withhold affection. That's mm-hmm. emotional abuse. Mm-hmm. And definitely. So uh, there's so many different ways a lady can be trafficked or a boy or a man can be trafficked. And I say that because traffickers aren't just men. There's females out there too that are doing it. Wow. Unfortunately. Talk to me a little bit about um, your years working as a high class escort, because obviously without a demand for the sex industry, you know, we wouldn't have this as a problem. If nobody was willing to pay 
for sex, if nobody was willing to pay for porn or pay for whatever downloads they do, um, we wouldn't have the problem in this age old issue. And I doubt it's going away anytime soon. So in your experience, you know, you have a unique perspective having been in the industry to teach us all, you know, we're all married women, a lot of us are, uh, or have boyfriends or relationships. What is it that these clients are looking for? Because I think we would be surprised who they are, that they're not just creepos. They're like, regular people we probably interact with every single day. And, um, you know, what is it that the industry provides them that they're craving in your experience? I mean, it's so bizarre because every single man that called, you could say they were different. And so you have a different vibe or feeling when you walked in the room and once you got to know them and how scary. Some- Oh, it was weird. I, can't, I, I think reading your or listening to you read your book to me, I was like nervous every time you knocked on that door. I was like, oh, my gosh, is it going to be a normal person or a crazy person? <laughs> I was like, I don't know how you handled that. And there are crazy ones out there. There's psycho ones out there that want to sure. kill prostitutes. It's sad. It's really, they want to punish the prostitutes because they think they're in sexual sin, but yet they're sleeping with them first and then they punish them. It's like kind of oh weird to me. Like, you, you're a hypocrite. Okay, guy, even though you're psycho, you're psycho and you're killing prostitutes, you're still a hypocrite. But right. Uh, you know, in all reality, there was such sadness in the men that called. Uh, a lot of the men, I would say, were single, lonely. Mm-hmm. They were on a, in a corporate ladder mm-hmm. somewhere, worked really hard. Um, some of them were nerds. They just couldn't get anyone. Kind of felt sorry <laughs> for them. Yeah. And then some of the men were married and dissatisfied with their relationship. Mm -hmm. There's intimacy lost between them and their wives. And a lot of the things that happened with these different men that called was one of the things that overrode a lot of it was porn. A lot of porn addictions first, and it led to calling girls and experimenting and, you know, trying to figure out what, what's this all about? Can I, it's, it's like these men wanted to have either just a one night stand or some of them, I had a lot of regulars that we were actually having an affair. Like they were believing that we were having an affair. Wow. Mind that, you know, that I was like their little, whatever, their little chick on the side. And the thing is, is I always told them the truth. Look, dude, I don't love you. Wow. You, you are mistaken. You need to pay me. And this is business for me. I don't fall in love with my clients. Okay. Mm. And I think me being in that mindset, made them like me even more. It was kind of sick, actually. Yeah. Like, they, it's a challenge now. Like, mm-hmm. you know, so, um, but you know, in all reality, in the long run, that always gets us and bites us because I did meet a client that I did fall in love with. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it was, it was a relationship I had that actually helped me grow as a person. Mm-hmm. And even though we didn't get married, we got engaged. And so are all the men evil? No. I, you know, what They're is just evil? broken too. They're broken yeah. and they're, they're looking and you cannot have supply without demand. And we have, let's just face it, a very broken society. We have a society that worships sex, drugs, uh, rock and roll, success, mm-hmm. fame, and fortune. That's what we worship. And that's part of that culture, prostitution. It just is. It's part of answering that demand for what they want. And yeah. we have entitlement society. We are so entitled in our country. Mm-hmm. I, I wish people could go to a third world country. I mean, I went to Africa and I saw some stuff and you know what? My heart was broken. Okay. I was so ashamed of my not knowing about this. Other things exist like this. Yes. I saw it on television, but to actually meet people that needed food 
Mm-hmm. It's like, it's, it's just broke my heart. Like, are you kidding me right now? Like, even the homeless people here are blessed. Okay. They're blessed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I get that. So, I mean, I was just reading, um, uh, Ann Voskamp put out a post about her experience in, in Iraq. Did you, did you oh. read that post and, and what yeah, Jeremy Courtney's doing with preemptive love and all those little girls who are being kidnapped and sex trafficked? I just, there's so many places we can um, make a difference, you know? And, and I think that's my goal in talking to you today to just really help people to understand that, you know, in their suburban life, when they're taking their kids to school or they're working their job or they're on their commute or whatever, it doesn't uh, abdicate our responsibility to see what's going on in the world and to choose to make a decision to do something. Right. right. Um, I wanted you to talk a little bit about porn because I think we can't have this conversation Uh, You brought it up a little bit, but the problem of addiction that so many people are facing. I just got an email yesterday. Some people write to me some pretty heavy stuff because of my own story. And um, she wrote to me yesterday, the past several years, my world has been devastated by my husband's sexual addiction. Um, It's been an unknown problem since when we were dating in high school. We've lost a great deal financially, relationally, physically. Uh, My youngest son has been sneaking to view porn since last year. And I installed Covenant Eyes, but... um, you know, how, how can I make my marriage work and my family work? And can you do a future show on something like this for those of us going through the isolation of sexual addiction as a family? Can you speak to this, Annie? Can you give us some wisdom and insight? I mean, porn, I mean, talk to us as parents, talk to us as wives, helping our husbands overcome this, you know, the percentages are staggering. Yeah, And it's as quick as a click. It's as quick as a click on your phone. You know, in all reality, men that are looking for that, see, because men, men view sex as a way to make themselves feel better. We view like sex an escape, as, women right? as a way to feel love. Mm-hmm. So, but they ultimately want love too. That's right. the ultimate. And it's, it's a, it's a stress escape, all that their testosterone levels and everything. But I would say for that young lady that wrote you, I would make sure that her husband and her son is educated on trafficking because a lot of those porn stars, Mm -hmm. not all of them are there. They're in a circumstance where they were abused prior in their life or they're being abused as they're doing it. And that those women, a lot of them, I'm not saying all, but a lot of them are victims. And every time that they're having a film done on them, it's a deeper hurt being penetrated. Absolutely. I heard Shelly Levin talk. She yep, and her book and everything. Yeah. Because it's the truth. The, a lot of these women are being abused and the men like, and so to watch someone, de- someone have sex on camera and degrade themselves, because that's what it is. When you're being abused, you're degrading yourself. That's right. And, and you're destroying someone's life by viewing that to make the, make these people human. They're not dolls. They're right. real human souls. And Shelly talks about they're not enjoying it. They're like drugged up and and being coerced. And um, yeah, abu- it's like a slow death for their hearts, it right? Is, it is just like prostitution, like being a call girl. I didn't enjoy it. Come on. I, the money, if I got to keep the money, I might have enjoyed it. But come on. I did not mm. enjoy any sex act. It was all faked. It was so mechanical. I shut myself down. Fallon took over and... You almost it, have to do that as a self-protective oh, mecha- mechanism, to, right? It's a shield. You put on your shield. Yeah. Mm. You have to because if you don't, you'll go crazy. You will literally go crazy. Right. 
Um, and what ends up happening, which was crazy about it, is that after years of that, you do go crazy. Right. You can't, <laughs> the shell, the shell pretty much, it's a human shell. Yeah. So since it's not made by it's gonna God. It's going to crack, right. It's going to crack. Mm-hmm. And so our heart gets eventually exposed and we snap. Which is and why we, the suicide and overdose rate is so I, high, right? And we have such a high with our drugs and whatever else is going on. But then when we come down from that, we snap and we lose it and mm-hmm. we realize See, sexual sin, in other words, sex and not a covenant in a relationship that's not covenant, where it's not agreed upon. I'm going to solely see you. I'm marrying you. Right. I am with right. you. I'm married to you. Right. It, it really destroys because because there's no commitment. And right. when you feel like you're going to possibly lose that person, your heart is so torn. Yeah. It's always on fight or flight mode. That's why. And God's not saying sex is bad. That's why sexual sin hurts so deeply. Mm-hmm. Even though we numb it over with drugs, we numb it over with 10 relationships, you know, and I've done that. Or I've eating. I mean, there's a ton of things. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And it manifests into other things when we can't feel that comfort. And, and so just to encourage that family, I would try to get him educated on that. But the other thing is I would definitely ask him to go to counseling and make him and the son make a commitment to get counseling and to stop. And if that doesn't happen, step number two, consequences. Yeah. That's so hard for women, isn't it? But listen, there needs to be consequences. He needs to understand this is not going to go on in our relationship anymore if we're going to have a relationship. Because that can be a form of abuse too, right? I mean. It is. Why should I compete with someone on the flipping computer? Come on, somebody. Well, because then it escalates, right? It's like one thing leads to the next thing. And then you're being asked to view it in your marriage as a wife. You're being asked to act things out, you know, that are uncomfortable to you or even maybe hurtful to you. Um, These are the secret deep places that women exist, Annie. And um, they write to me. A simple word for porn is no. No. It's one sentence. It's one word. No. And I love how you've talked. I, I listened to your interview with Ryan Reese and he's so great. Um, I love him. <laughs> yeah. And, and how he was, Crystal. yeah. And as guys, you know, they were talking about, you know, if you really want to overcome something, if you really want to quit, you can do it. You can like get a dumb Just phone. Yeah. You can get a dumb yeah, phone. A dumb you can phone. turn get off your internet. Phone. Right. You know, sure you can. Don't have any access to iPads or computers. Hello. Yep. Get accountability until you can heal and get some distance because, you know, my husband did a, um, we interviewed a couple who wrote a book about the journey through pornography in their marriage and one of our, my earlier episodes, which I can link to, but you know, they talked as guys about, you know, you really have to decide it is a battle in your mind and you have to choose, choose no. And stop um, feeding the wolf. Okay. Stop feeding the bad wolf. Okay. Feed the golden retriever in the black lab. They're so cute. Anyway, <laughs> I'm a woman. I always, I love but you know, honestly, and it is a point of this surrendering your heart to God. And that is like the kicker of it all. If you can surrender your heart to God, God said to the woman in adultery, Jesus said, he said, go and sin no more. Right. She was so devastated by what had happened to her. She had been exposed mm-hmm. and I'm pretty sure she was crying laying down on that ground. Okay. And he said, go and sin no more, you know, and it's like, just stop it, dude. Stop mm-hmm. it. Like cur- surrender your heart to God. There's an intimacy problem here. You right, are not right. willing to be intimate with God. So you're putting a, a substitute, which is sex right. in place of what really God wants to talk to you. Right, Jesus wants right. to get to know you. And it's not a weird sexual gay thing or anything like that. It's just, right, right. that's the truth. Okay. Right. 
And it takes realness to really get to that intimate place and be willing to open yourself up to all maybe the past hurts that are underneath it all, right? Exactly. Um, Something brewing that happened a long time ago that why, how you're addicted. Right. You got shown it to you when you were eight years old. Maybe you got sexual abuse. I don't know men what you're doing out there and women too. Like there is a root to all your behavior problems. Okay. So go search it out. So get brave enough to face it. Yeah. You know, when you knock on the door, he answers. Like it says in the word, knock and I will answer. That's right. So do you want the truth? Do you want to keep running? Run, 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 run. Doesn't do you any good, does it? It's futility. You have to come home and face you. Look in the mirror. It's okay. God still loves you. People will still love you. In fact, you being open about this Mm -hmm. and being accountable, let me tell you how beautiful and wonderful intimacy can happen between you and your friends and your family. Okay. That's what you really need. You just really need the love of God to hit you and love for people. And, And on all reality, you're not a weirdo. It's so normal to crave sex. It's so normal. We're built and made for sex. I mean, us, our human race, we're built and made for recreating families, fellowship, Mm -hmm. raising up generations. I mean, and there's nothing wrong with that. But take it and put your energy in a different place. And when the time is right, okay, when you have to start the family, okay, when you're ready for that relationship, and if you're already in one, to repair that relationship, Go for it. There's hope. Yeah, there's yes, hope. There's hope. I can, and, and I can do it. You can too. And same I Jack, totally agree. Right, right. Okay, well, and I'd like before we before I have you share at the end, but I know our time is running short. I, before you, I want you to share about Hookers for Jesus and all the amazing things you're doing. But before you do, I want you to talk one last thing to the women out there who have experienced and endured sexual abuse, maybe promiscuity in their past, maybe affairs, whatever they've gotten themselves into. And it's maybe in the past and they're now in a, you know, covenantal relationship in a marriage in an, in a monogamous relationship, but the shame and the guilt and the flashbacks can really affect their current relationship. Sure. How have you personally managed that? I know you're remarried and you, uh, you know, are working on that connected sexual relationship in marriage. Can you speak to that? And, and what hope can you bring to them? today? Uh, honestly, to speak to the women out there that have been struggling with past relationships and now you're in a brand new covenant relationship, flashbacks, it's so normal. It will occur. And you mm-hmm. have to just, it's a daily walk. You just have to pray before you have sex. I pray like, and, and if they come up, you know, share that with your partner and ask mm-hmm. him to pray for you. It's nothing better than a husband's prayer over you. And if you need some deeper counseling, please find a good counselor that can listen. Maybe there's some more things and some deeper things that you need to discuss about your past to just get it off your chest. And again, our minds are tricky things. And when you stop feeding those thoughts, you know, if they keep coming up rapidly and in succession over and over and over, definitely get some help get some counseling. The other thing is ask God to help you. I mean, that's the first line of defense is we pray and we ask God to help us get in your word. This is one thing that I've done when I've gotten tempted or just thinking about the past too much and it's popped up in my head and I keep seeing it Mm -hmm. is just crack open your Bible, crack open the new Testament, wherever it go in Psalms, go in Proverbs, whatever. Proverbs always kicks my butt and I like it because it sets me back on (laughs) to the right way. It's the real thing, right? Yep. Especially about the woman in adultery, like it's like, whoa, that whoa. woman in the street. Yes. <laughs> Coming to my house, I have sheets of satin, baby. <laughs> <laughs> she lures <laughs> you no. from the street, right? 
Hey, my husband's gone right now. Woo woo. It's like, oh, well, I better get back on track. But so, you know, no condemnation towards anyone that's having these thoughts. It's that's so right. normal. Don't, don't beat yourself up. Right. You know, process, let God process these thoughts and ask him for that inner healing. There is so many great teachings out there and books out there that you can get that can help you through that and uh, different websites. And obviously Mud Stories is one of them. <laughs> You're so, so sweet, Miss Annie. And when, when Jackie writes her book, that'll be another week. <laughs> oh, maybe someday. Maybe someday. Yeah. Well, tell everyone. Oh, Hey, by the way, on a side note, you're you're still living in the same city where you worked as a, a p- part of the sex industry. I, I think that's marvelous and bold and just amazing of you. And did you ever have any closure with Julian, your pimp? The, does he know about the book and your ministry? And like, what's the resolution on that? Just curious. You know, he said sorry to me. Um, at a club actually one night that was before I got out of the sex industry, but he had tears in his eyes and he apologized and I felt it was very Mm. heartfelt and I haven't heard from him since. Mm. Um, so yeah, that's kind of it right there. I'm pretty sure he knows about the book though through friends and, uh, I'm pretty sure he knows about what I talk about and what I do now. And I'm hoping that he's gotten his healing that he needs. And there's a reason why I didn't say his real name because, you know, I don't want to hurt him in that way to where mm-hmm. the entire brigade goes after him. Right. I want him to realize that God has love for him and that he sees his pain because Julian was very abused as a child. And so yeah. uh, there's some deep healing that I hope that he's received and that if he hasn't, that he goes after that. I pray for him all the time. I would love I, to see him serve God. And I think we all should. I mean, all the people who are, who are, you know, yeah, that, that we pray for these people and hope yeah. that he meets them in real places. Okay, so yeah. you have this ministry, this amazing ministry, and Hookers for Jesus. Tell us about your outreaches that you do. Tell us about the Destiny House. Tell us how we can help and do something and get involved and get behind you. Well, okay, Hookers for Jesus started in 2005, but I didn't officially file for it until 2006. And then we got our nonprofit 2007. Because you've been out of the industry a long time, right? How long? I have since, well, the first time I quit in 98. And then a couple years later, I got back in it. So I officially quit everything August 2nd, 2003. That was post-cancer, post-overdose, right? Yes. Which is a whole other story. But anyway, go on. Hookers for Jesus. Read the book. Read the book. But I went out to the strip and started reaching out to the women because I felt like I needed to, God told me to, and that just to tell his daughters that he loves them and that they don't have to do this anymore. The ones that are in slavery to just tell them that there's a way out. Like if I got out, you can too. And honestly, that developed into eventually the destiny house, which what we have now. And we have a home that can fit upward of 25 women Right now we have 10 beds, but if we expand on the other buildings on the property, we can have 25 beds. Mm. Uh, And we have women in the home right now, and there's been uh, just such beautiful success so far with women coming in here and graduating. And what we our main focus is the emotional healing. We, We have a motto here, dream again about what God has planned for you to do in your life. And discover who you are, discover your purpose, and then develop into the woman that will change the world. 
That's our motto here, Destiny House. And that's pretty much what the girls do. It's a year's a year program and they first do six months of healing and then we start vocational training on the seventh month and then they get a job probably on the ninth or tenth month. And if they need to stay a little longer to save money to get their own place and car, they they can stay here to do that. So yeah, they they become different women when they leave here. They're they're a completely 180 degree person when they leave this this program and when they leave the fold of what we're helping them do here. And then we stay in contact with all the ladies basically indefinitely. Mm. And we do a a year intensive checkup with them to make sure they're on the right track and they're doing well at their job and, and, you know, progressing towards whatever career that they want their college or whatever they have going on in their lives. And basically it's, you know, I just want to rebuild these women, uh, with the love of God. That's what it is. So it's beautiful. uh, no, and, and the things that people can do first and foremost is can you just please pray for us? I ask for prayer for love, for a deeper love mm-hmm. and understanding of who God is to our staff, to me, the leader, um, and to love these girls fully mm-hmm. as much as we can humanly possible. Mm-hmm. And I think the second thing would be is obviously protection from you know people that would try to stop us and uh, any harm that would happen to the girls or us as a staff. And the third thing was, does anyone know any good grant writers? <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. we need donations. Or even this donations. Is, yeah. Right. And, but we need volunteers. We need the right strategic people to come alongside of us. Mm. And we'd love to have a destiny house in another city because the way that I've designed this program, it's actually duplicatable. It, we've wow. gotten to this point where everything's duplicated. I mean, we can teach this to other people. It's, it's I'm going to believe for that, actually. Annie. I really am yeah. because I think yeah. what you're doing is just so marvelous. And I just, I, it's my desire to champion your message and just what you're doing, oh, how do, you. how you're meeting women. And I, because I think a lot of them who find themselves wrapped up in this lifestyle, I mean, your book just speaks to the fact that it's like just one tiny little step after another. And you never set out to end up where you did. It was just one tiny decision after another. And that resonated so much with me because I never set out to have an affair and ruin my life at 27 years old. But it was one tiny decision, one thought leading to the next thought, leading to the next small decision. And one lie leads to the next. And just you end up in a place that you never imagined you were and then don't really understand how to get out. And that's what your ladies are facing, you know? Yes. they. I mean, you know what, though? That's... The beauty of God is is that He's the redeeming God. He's the mm-hmm. Savior. He loves people that realize they messed up. Like, can can volunteers go out on outreaches with you all, or do you take trained trained people? Well, we they have to be trained first. Yeah, but welcome to come. Yes, mm. we we love it. I mean, especially if they're local. Locals better. But yeah. you know, honestly. It's a very dangerous thing to do because there's a lot of pimps and a lot of runners and a lot of spotters that are out there that have guns. So I don't tell anyone lightly, oh, go out and do it. Yeah, go for it. It's like, be careful. And then we need to pray that the angels would surround and protect everyone's mind and everyone's, you know, I truly believe wherever I go, big, huge angels walk with me. I swear, Jackie, I'm not like, I'm. you know what? I'm going to tell you a supernatural experience real quick. I was in my house about two months ago. And I woke up and I looked towards the uh, hallway. I had two different visions, two angels 
One of them looked female. I know some people say, well, angels aren't female or male. Well, one <laughs> of them looked male too. Tall, translucent. Their heads hit the flipping ceiling, okay? Beautiful. Standing there in the hallway, just looking at me. Like, I got this. I got this. And it blessed me so much. It, at first, I was like, I had to close my eyes and open it again. It was still there. And, it, you know, it, some people would say, well, weren't you scared? No. I felt protected, comforted. Yeah. You know, and I know God gives that to me because he's, he's having me face some things that are about to happen. And he always gives me prophetic visions. And if he gave me, you know, a glance at my angels, that's fine. Cause I'm happy for that. You know, they're um, your personal, they're your personal bodyguards. I do. I actually, yeah. one of my angels names is Clarence. I know that for a fact. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You don't even have to ring the bell, right? <laughs> Oh. Yeah, yeah, it's Clarence and the one named George. So, I mean, it sounds weird for me to say that, but I know that angels surround me. We don't worship angels, obviously, but they are God's messengers and they are God's protectors and they are God's doers. If we ask God to do something, angels are immediately dispatched. They do the work of God. So, come on, mm. angels, are you out there? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, what a joy, just pure delight it's been for me to get to talk to you today. I just admire you so and what you're doing and how you're Thank serving you God too. in your space. And so um, <laughs> tell everybody where they can find you online and how they can look everything up. Of course, I'll have it all in the show notes in the links there. But um, yeah, just tell simple. everybody hookersforjesus.net. And I did that on purpose because it's a fishnet. And if some of you are hating on the name, stop judging. Okay. Because <laughs> Matthew 419 says, I will teach you how to fish for people. So if you have a name problem, take it up with God because we're not going to change it. Not to fit <laughs> I have a lot of people that love it and hate it at the same time. So yeah. hookersforjesus.net. And we're on Twitter as well, hookersforjesus. And then of course I have Annie Lobert on Twitter and Annie Little Bear on Facebook and Hookers for Jesus on Facebook. Okay. Uh, and uh, yeah, you can email us, you can write us on Facebook. And, and honestly, we love people. We really do. And we love anyone that is broken. Anyone that's, you know, come to find out that they thought they weren't broken, but they really are. Right. <laughs> we love Pharisees. We love Sadducees. Yeah. Bring <laughs> them on. Right. Yeah. I mean, you and, even go to the porn conventions and share Jesus oh, there. I love, love, love the porn conventions. Those are my people. Mm. <laughs> those are my people. Kind of like oh. Moses. Those are my people. My people, my people go, Pharaoh. Right. Yeah. And how beautiful when they find Jesus and you can witness that. Yeah. yeah. They're just so, the, the, what, what I want to really, you know, make Christians aware of is that, you know, sometimes people in life, yeah, they're not going to be perfect. And they're not going to look like you. And we can't be the kind of Christians that say, be like me, because God's created everyone to be very individual. And mm-hmm. I have found that the most love I've ever felt in different circumstances has been, have been from people that didn't believe in Jesus. Amazing. <laughs> and it's like, lead by example. You know what? If we don't have love, it says in 1 Corinthians 13, we don't have anything. We're just making noise, 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 noise. I don't want to be that person. I want to have the love of God inside of me for everyone. Tolerance and understanding, compassion, embracing, accepting, not rejecting, not mm-hmm. judging, not criticizing, not putting people in a legal box. 
let's love for real. Let's love to the best of our ability. And if you don't know how to do that, study love, study that love, study it in, in Lagos, study it in, get books on it, whatever you got to do, read up on it, see what it looks like, figure it out and let God use you. Yeah. Well, receive his love and then you, he empowers us to love, right? Yes. Love Uh, yourself. I can't amen all of what you just said enough. And I think that's why I feel so connected and resonate with you and your message because I just, yes, amen, amen, amen. (laughs) So thank you so much, Annie, for joining us today. I hope you have an amazing day. We're going to have to make this into two shows, you know, just let you know. I (laughs) know. Hopefully they hung in there with us. Hopefully they did. All right. Well, have an amazing day. You too. It was nice to meet you and uh, talk to you. You too. I love Todd's stories. Thank you. All right, Annie. Have an amazing day. Thanks again. You too. God bless you, girl. Okay, you too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, that's all for this episode. Wasn't she amazing? And wasn't all that she shared just so critical and important to what's happening today? I can't be more thankful for the work that she's doing. And it's my desire that many people would hear the words that she has shared with us today. And so if you have enjoyed this podcast, I would love it if you would head over to iTunes and do two things. If you'd subscribe to this podcast, and secondly, if you would leave a rating or review. Subscribing or leaving a rating or review helps iTunes show this podcast to more people, and more people can be encouraged by the mud that's being shared here by our amazing guests. And I have much more for you to come this summer. I'm really excited, and I'm hoping you'll hang in there and join me, and that you'll return again and again to be encouraged by these mud stories. And if there's someone in your real life that you think would enjoy hearing Annie's words, I'd be so honored if you would send them a text, send them an email, share this podcast with those people that need to hear it. And I know word of mouth is the best way for us to spread the word about mud stories. And so if you would partner with me and help me get the word out, I would appreciate that so very much. As usual, you can find all the links mentioned to this episode over on the show notes page at JackieWatkins.com forward slash episode 50. And over there, I have a couple of Annie's video testimonies for you. You can watch those. Also, I have linked to the MSNBC documentary series, which is featuring Annie in two of its five episodes that are airing this month of June 2015. And they're incredible. Annie and Hookers for Jesus are featured in two of the five episodes over there at MSNBC. The first one is called Sex Slaves Las Vegas, and the second one, which will air Sunday night, June 28th, 2015, is entitled Sex Slaves Escorts. And so I hope that you will take some time to check that out, check out Annie's website, all that she's doing. It's incredible, amazing, and if you feel compelled in your heart to partner with Annie in her ministry, she would love it if you would pray for her, pray for them as they minister and meet these women and the needs that they have in recovery, and if you want to donate to Hookers for Jesus in the Destiny House, Annie would love that. There is a link on the show notes page for you to do that. Again, that is JackieWatkins.com forward slash episode 50. 
And one last thing, I enjoyed Annie's book so much listening to her read it to me. And you can get a free audiobook today of Annie's story. All you have to do is go to mudstoriesbook.com and sign up for a free 30-day trial, which you can cancel at any time. And Annie's book will be yours for free today. And so I hope you'll do that. And you should know that a portion of that trial goes to help support this podcast. And I'd be so very grateful. Well, I know this has gotten long. Thank you so much for hanging in there with me. And my prayer today, no matter what you're facing, no matter where you've been or what lies ahead, may you find a grateful song to sing. Have a beautiful day. I never in Mama feels a press upon my mind A pull of shame that leaves me a little bit blind I cannot see beyond the blame And I never will find a way out And then I feel you next to me You lift my head to see Your strong arm reaches to me Your mercy floods my tired soul as you lift me out of my muddy hole. You wash me up with your sweet grace and you lead me to a safer place again. I never any mother feels a press upon my mind. That leaves me a little bit blind I cannot see beyond the blame And I never will find a way out And then I feel you next to me You lift my head to see Your strong arm reaches to me Your mercy floods my tired soul as you song